You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Awesome, you can be seated. Thank you, worship team. How cool is your worship team again? So good and uh, awesome. And, uh, you know, Brett's a great example of uh, someone with great faith and hope and who has joy in spite of negative circumstances. I would imagine even after yesterday when his team Geelong got slaughtered by the Adelaide Crows, there would have been great temptation for him not to come to church. But he's here and he's got a smile on his dial and it's awesome and, uh, and Mark's even happier because he's a Hawthorne supporter. I've never seen any family where the dad breaks for Hawthorne and the son breaks for Geelong. Uh, being a Hawthorne supporter, I'd almost say parenting fail. But really, um, you know, it's good. You let them go and make their own mistakes. That's good. And uh, it's just wonderful. But thank you, Brett. It's so good to see you and Amy and the uh, rest of the Turner tribe. And it's always a great joy uh, to be here uh, at Centro. And uh, as I mentioned this morning, uh, super pleased and thrilled uh, for Tim and Kat um, as your new senior pastors. I just think it's absolutely wonderful. And I know that uh, God has already done great things in the life of the church. This church has a great history. Uh, it's a significant flagship church, but I do believe that uh, God calls each generation to build upon the shoulders of the previous, and, uh, and I believe that God has got even greater. You know, it was funny because uh, Jono uh, said to me earlier today, he goes, okay, so have you got any goss or any embarrassing stories about Tim and Kat? So I've known them since they were in high school, and so uh, they were in my youth ministry 20 years ago, uh, and I said, honestly... I don't have a lot, aside from maybe a couple of ex-girlfriends and boyfriends, uh, and also if you can get any footage of Tim when he had dreadlocks, that was absolutely incredible, and so it's out there somewhere, I actually saw something on Facebook one time, you never know, I'm sure you can find it and that sort of thing, but to be perfectly honest, uh, as long as I've known them, and I've known them since they were kids, they've never really faltered in their faith, Uh, they've never gone backwards in their faith. They've always been strong in the Lord and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I know and, and fully endorse that, know that they're going to be, uh, provide, continue to provide great strength and stability to this house, incredibly reliable, called of God, and I'm just incredibly pleased and chuffed uh, for what's uh, to come here. And so would you honour your pastors, Tim and Kat? And, um, and um, I just... Uh, and also, there's a scripture, Proverbs 15, says the way of life winds upward for the wise. Uh, and I just felt that uh, God's going to increase the elevation of this church. You know, there's twists and turns and there's activity, but sometimes activity feels like it's just going around in circles. But I felt God saying that the activity in this house is going to uh, wind upwards, that there's going to be elevation. So continued activity, but you're going to find a greater level of elevation than ever before uh, in the life of this house. So... Praise God. Um, Well, today I want to share something with you out of the book of Romans. So Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Romans 5, 1 to 5. And it says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The title of my message today is called The Destiny Equation. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that uh, you would continue to release the spirit of an overcomer in this place. I thank you and I praise you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans and the first few chapters of this is very encouraging and a very positive and uplifting letter. But here he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, he says, but not only that, we glory in tribulation. I can imagine if I was one of the Romans and this was read out, I'd be thinking, hey, hold on, hold on, what are you talking about? Tribulation. Why would we glory in tribulation? What kind of fool would glory in tribulation? I thought that if I became a Christian, no more tribulation. I thought if I became a Christian, everything's going to be smooth sailing. But here he's actually saying that if you're a Christian, there are still times when we experience difficult times. But the reason why we can glory in tribulation is not because we enjoy momentary suffering. It's because of what that will eventually produce. And so in this passage of Scripture, this is one of the great equations in Scripture which indicate to us how we can fulfill the destiny that God has for our lives. And so I want to talk to you today about the destiny equation, key components needed to fulfill the destiny that God has for every one of us. Make no mistake, God has a plan and purpose for every single one of our lives. Being a Christian is more than a ticket to heaven. He's got things for us here on the earth. And here in this passage of scripture, we get an indication of what we need to do to access all that God has for us in this life. And so I want to talk to you today about the key components, the destiny equation, five key components to fulfilling the destiny that God actually has for our lives. The first one is this. He says, and not only that, we glory in tribulation. You know, when I first became Christian, I thought, that I've got Christianity sorted. And I thought, all I've got to do is this. All I've got to do is, do is do whatever God tells me to do, and then I should be fine. Everything should be smooth sailing. And that somehow, if things were going wrong in my life or I've had some difficulty, somehow I must have done something wrong in order for me to experience that. Because I thought, in God's perfect will, there should be no problems. But I've learned over the years that's not actually the case. Many years ago when I was at Bible college, I used to work at a Christian bookstore called Word Bookstore. And I woke up one morning before going to the bookstore to work and I just had this phrase going around in my mind and it said, hot tub religion, hot tub religion. I remember thinking to myself, what does that mean, hot tub religion? And so I actually went to work that day and, and at lunchtime I went out the back into the tea room and in the tea room they had all these books that were to be stacked on the shelves. And so uh, on the bench where we were having our, having our lunch... And I noticed there that on the top of a pile of books was a book called Hot Tub Religion by J.I. Packer. And so I thought to myself, well, obviously I'm supposed to read it. And so I read that book and basically he was talking about how in the Christian life in Western society, we somehow think that the height of spirituality is when everything's like a great big hot tub, when there's no problems and everything is comfortable and everything is nice. But he says that's not actually how it works. You can be a Christian, you can serve him with your whole heart, you can do everything right, and even then you can still find yourself in the midst of tribulation. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James that we shouldn't be surprised when we fall into trials of many kinds. What that means is this, there are some things you fall into that are unavoidable. There are some things that actually happen that it's actually nobody's fault, it's just a part of life. It's something that actually just happens to us. A book in the Bible, of the Bible that I wish wasn't in there was a book by the name of Job. And in it we hear the story about a man who was righteous and yet he suffered incredibly. And in the midst of his suffering, 
he had a number of friends come to him and they somehow, they kind of comforted him in the midst of his suffering. The Bible's very clear that Job didn't do anything wrong, that God was allowing him to be tested by the enemy. And so he was there and he was suffering. He had some friends coming up to him and in some ways they were really immature. I said, okay, okay, Job, fess up. What did you do? What do you mean? You must have done something wrong. God wouldn't let you go through something like this unless you did something wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, there you go, there's pride. (laughs) You must have done something wrong in order for you to go through something like this. But then the scripture indicates to us he actually didn't do anything wrong. And the reality is in life, sometimes we go through tribulation, but we can glory in it because of what it produces. I love the fact that tribulation is not the end of your story. Trials is not the end game, that God has got even greater things for us ahead. And so the first component to fulfilling the destiny that God has for us is actually tribulation. The second thing that he actually says is this. He says, not only that, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. So this is the second component to fulfilling your destiny, perseverance. So watch this. Tribulation is not a sign that you're out of God's will. Tribulation is not a sign that you've done anything wrong. And tribulation is not a sign to stop. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you go through a tough time and you think, okay, I've got to change the direction of my life right now because I'm going through this or I've got to give up something or stop doing something that God has called me to do. That's not the actual response we're supposed to have to tribulation. When you go through a difficult time, it's not a time to quit. You've just got to keep on going. In fact, that's actually how you actually get stronger. You actually get bigger muscles by pushing up against resistance. Some people, you see them at the gym, and you know they'll never get any muscles, regardless of the amount of exercise they do, because you can tell by the size of the minuscule weights that they lift. (laughs) They'll be sitting there, and they'll be talking to their friends, how how was your weekend? And and you know nothing's going to happen. Why? Because there is no resistance. You need a bit of resistance in life and persevere and push through it in order to actually develop. And in the same way, when it comes to going through a difficult season and a tough time, it's not a sign to quit. It's not a sign to stop. We're supposed to persist and keep on pushing through until we actually come out the other side. Many years ago, I started a Bible college uh, in uh, Brisbane. It was called Planet Shakers College. It's now called IC College. And I remember the second year that we started the college, um, we had, what we would do at the start of each year was we would do a, a chapel service and, and we'd do an induction and that sort of thing. And so the students would come in and the first thing we'd do is a chapel service. And so I'd say to the students, hey, thanks for signing up this year and what we're going to do now is we're going to have a chapel service. Before we continue on, we're going to give praise to God. So want to get ready to praise God. And so the band would come out and they'd start playing and, you know, it's our typical contemporary loud style and that sort of thing. And, and I remember the band started playing and as soon as they started playing, I heard this voice behind me say, oh my Lord. I turned around and it was this 17-year-old girl, eyes wide open, fingers in her ears. And it was freaking her out. And I realised later that she was a girl from the Salvation Army. Uh, and she had a number of Salvation Army friends who came to the college, but they had all had a spirit-filled experience. She'd never seen anything like it. And so she came, to the, she came, and everything that happened in the college was really pushing her buttons. She's the kind of girl that didn't have a whole lot of filters. So I'd be lecturing, and I could see exactly what's going on in her mind. Our theology was different from what she thought. Our culture was different in our values. And I could tell everything we were teaching her was grating her, 
and pushing her buttons. One day after one of the lectures, she came up to me. She said, Pastor Ben, can I talk to you? I said, no worries. We sit down and as we did, she just started crying. I said, you hate it here, don't you? She said, yes. I said, you don't want to be here anymore, do you? No. I said, it's pushing all your buttons, isn't it? Yes. I said, you want to leave? Yes. I said, so are you going to? And she said, no. I said, hold on, hold on. I said, you hate it here? Yes. You want to leave? Yes. But you're not going to? No. I said, why is that? And she said, well, God called me to come and I always do what God tells me to do. I said, you, my dear, are a champion. You have just found one of the great keys to fulfilling the destiny that God has for your life. And so what happened was that she stayed on. She went on an encounter retreat. She got delivered of a whole lot of stuff. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. She started moving in the gifts of the Spirit. She started getting in trouble with the salvos because she would get up at conferences and prophesy and all that sort of thing. It was really funny. Uh, And then she got married uh, and then she ended up um, becoming a Salvation Army officer. But after a few years, uh, realised that really wasn't what uh, she wanted to do. And so now she lives in Brisbane and her, her, her and her husband now run the Bible college that she wanted to leave. (laughs) All because she didn't quit. There's something about persistence. There's something about keeping on going. There's something about, you know, sometimes I honestly believe sometimes us Christians need to harden up a bit. Sometimes we need to let a little bit stronger and a little bit tougher and a little bit resistance doesn't stop us from doing what God has called us to do. He says tribulation comes, but the response to tribulation is perseverance. I love Psalm 23. It says, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters, leads me with paths of righteousness for his namesake. Then it says in verse 4, Yay. Yay. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Hold on. How do I end up in this valley? I'm following the shepherd, doing everything he wants, and still sometimes end up in the midst of the valley. But then it says this, yea, though I walk through the valley. doesn't say two. When you go through a tough time, you don't sit on your hands and whinge. You just get up and you keep on moving and you push through until eventually you come out the other side. He says, tribulation needs to manifest in perseverance. If you're doing something that God has called you to do and it's not working out exactly the way you want, just keep on persisting anyway. You'll be amazed at what can happen in your life as a result. I love the story about a woman by the name of Wilma Rudolph, African-American woman who grew up in the 30s in, um, in the United States in abject poverty. She had about something like 18 brothers and sisters and she uh, had all these elements and basically she had legs that were twisted. And so she had all these brothers and sisters that were running around all the time and she never got to run around with them. And so what she would do was that instead of sitting back and moping, she tried to get herself strong enough to be able to run around with her brothers and sisters. And so often what would happen is while the brothers and sisters are running around outside, others of the brothers and sisters would take turns in rubbing her legs and trying to get them strong. She would get up and at the front, she would get to the picket fence and she would pull herself along the fence trying to strengthen her legs. Just because she was going through that problem with her legs, she still decided that she was going to persist and do the best she can. 
Fast forward to 1960 into the Rome Olympics, she ended up winning the 100 metre sprint and she became the fastest woman in the world all because, and all because she was not willing to quit when times got tough. I want to encourage someone today that just because it's tough, it's not a time to quit. Just because you've got some opposition and some tribulation is not a time to give up. When you go through some tribulation, we glory in it and we keep on persisting till we come out the other side. The third thing it says is this. It says, not only that we also glory in tribulations, know that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. So the third component to fulfilling your destiny is character. Now, character is so important. You've heard the old saying that your gift will determine how high you rise, but your character will determine how long you stay there. And this shows us here how character is formed. And I don't like it. I wished that character was a gift. I wish that I could do an altar call after this and go, bang, pray for people to get character. But that's not actually how it's formed. Remember one time I was at a conference, and uh, this was many years ago now, this was in the 90s, and, and I went up the front and this elderly pastor, who's a lot taller than me, he looked down at me and he said to me, what do you want, son? I said, I want to be like Jesus. And I thought he'd say, he'd say, good on you, mate. He looked at me and goes, are you sure? And when he said that, I was like, oh, actually, now that you put it that way. <laughs> but I, thought, I didn't want to deny Christ in front of a pastor. So I let him pray for me. Be like Christ. Hold a, and had a whole bunch of suffering ever since. Because <laughs> our character is formed by persisting through trial. Our character is formed and developed by going through difficult seasons. That's how our character is formed. Clay only gets hard by going through fire. If it doesn't go through fire, it, never, it, it is unable to fulfil its potential. It doesn't have the resolve it needs to fulfil its potential. And in the same way, character is so important to the life of a Christian. Character is so important to our lives, but the way we develop it is actually by persisting, not quitting and going through some difficult seasons. I love the fact that there are people, that many people in this place, you've been through some tough times and yet you've come out sweet the other side. That just shows me that you're progressing along the destiny equation because character is not the end goal, but without character, you're unable to fulfil the destiny that God has for our lives. Character is vital to our destiny. The fourth thing is this. He says in verses 3 and 4, not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So the fourth component to fulfilling your destiny is hope, is hope. So this shows us how hope is actually formed. The Bible tells us that there are three qualities that must remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But hope is actually one of those qualities. Many years ago, I think it was about 2008, I remember I was actually at the church on a Saturday doing something and as I was there, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, Ben, you're good with faith, but you're bad with hope. Now, interestingly enough, up until that point, hope was a bit of a blind spot for me. I didn't really understand what hope was. I knew what love was, 
and I knew what faith was, but I really struggled to know what hope was. But in that moment, I had a bit of a revelation about what hope is. To best delineate between those three qualities, love is like an atmosphere. There's a friendliness to it and an acceptance. All those things are expression of love. Faith is an action. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did that. Faith without works is dead. So faith is actually an action. But hope is an attitude. Hope is an anchor for the soul. Hope is a positive, uplifting attitude in spite of the circumstances around us. And God spoke to me. He said, Ben, you're good with faith, but you're bad with hope. When he said it, I knew he was absolutely correct. When it came to faith, yes, if God told me to do something, I would do it. I would step out, take the risk, do whatever God wanted me to do. But in the meantime, I could actually become, be quite negative. So then I prayed one of the dumbest prayers I've ever prayed before. Lord, give me hope. Without realising that hope is formed by tribulation, (laughs) perseverance, then character and then hope. And honestly, I embarked on four years of everything going wrong. Four years up until that point, things were onwards and upwards for me. Then I had a season of about three or four years where everything went wrong. It felt like God was far away and I didn't know what was happening with my life and it culminated with the Brisbane floods of 2011. Halfway through 2011 and we were just busy getting our house ready and that sort of thing. I remember halfway through 2011, in the midst of trying to get our things sorted and we didn't complete the house till the end of 2011, I noticed something on the inside of me bubbling away and making me feel all positive and uplifted. And I remember thinking to myself, what's that? I think that's hope. I'm going through the lowest season of my life and I'm actually feeling hopeful. Where did that come from? Through that time of tribulation, perseverance and character. I believe that's one of the reasons I was talking to Jono today. Actually, I said... I said one of the keys for people to have a very positive, uplifting uh, attitude is actually to go through some tough stuff. And when you come out the other side, you know that everything else is not that big a deal and you come out being full of faith, full of hope and full of vitality. If you're going through a difficult season right now, I want to encourage you to keep on persisting. Keep on going through. Because eventually you'll come out the other side and something will be transformed in your life. Your character will be formed. Your attitude will be formed. You won't be knocked about by circumstances like you once were. You won't be thrown about by bad news because, of the, because you made a decision to keep persisting in the midst of a difficult time. And the last thing he actually says is this. He says, not only that, we also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, hope does not disappoint. It's a double negative. Another way of putting it, hope appoints. So it actually means that you're now ready for the things that God actually has for your life. Everything you've been through, all the stuff you had to overcome, 
It's part of the development process for all that God actually has for you. Look at the lives of heroes of the faith through the scripture. So often they go through some very difficult things as part of the preparation for what God has for them. Let's even bounce back to Psalm 23. It says, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters, restores my soul. Yay, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he comes out the other side. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's talking about prominence. You anoint my head with oil. It's talking about promotion. My cup runs over. It's talking about prosperity. And then he says this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Hold on. Aren't I supposed to be following the shepherd? Yes. But after you've been through all that, and when you come out the valley, there comes a time where he says, okay, off you go. Chase your dream down. Do what I've put in your heart. You're now ready. Goodness and mercy is now going to follow me. Before that, I had to follow the shepherd, but now he's following me. Look at the Israelites. The Bible says they went through the wilderness for 40 years. As they went around the wilderness, this was how they were led. Pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Whenever God moved, they moved. Pillar of fire would move. Okay, we're moving, we're following. And then it would stop. Okay, we're camping. Then it would move. 40 years. Whenever God moved, that's when they moved. But then there came a time when they crossed over out into the promised land. And there was a new leader named Joshua. And God spoke to Joshua and he basically said to him, I'm going to change the way I communicate with God's leader now. He says, be, term- be determined and courageous. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you. Did you see that? Before in the wilderness, I had to follow and do whatever God told me to do. But there does come a time through that wilderness where you get to pursue the things that God has put in your heart and he starts backing you up. Did you see that? Destiny. So everything you went through was part of the process to prepare you for what God actually has for your life. You know, our house at Goodner, it um, had a lot of trees and a lot of lawn. And, um, and I'm not a very good gardener, terrible gardener, actually. And um, in our backyard, one of the trees we had was a lemon tree. And to be perfectly honest, I don't want to call it a lemon tree. Uh, it's more like a lemon shrub. Uh, it was about this high, had lemons on it, but they were really weak and insipid. And, you know, I used to get really frustrated with it, actually. I'm not a good gardener. And I'd look at it, you know, why isn't it pumping out better lemons? And, and so I'd go up to it and, you know, grow lemons or die, you know, like Jesus with the fig tree. And <laughs> nothing actually happened. And then, then the Brisbane floods happened. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, our house it went through a metre and a half. The water went a metre and a half through the second storey of our house and being here in Ipswich a number of you would remember uh, those times and the thing I remember the most about those times was the water and how much it stunk you know when you're cleaning your house afterwards and you're getting rid of all that mud and that sort of thing absolutely reeked I remember that when I um, I only had one set of clothes and each day I would go and wash them and put them back on the next day and go and clean the house but by the end of the first week I had to throw them out completely because they were just so disgusting. The, the smell was terrible. People went to hospital, they'd have cuts on them and then they'd get bacterial infections. Uh, this water was gross and, and this water was destructive. It destroyed everything it touched. And, and our house got 
you know, completely affected and completely inundated and, and it completely wiped out, uh, completely wiped out our garden. Uh, took away our water tank, our water tank, uh, 5,000 litre water tank. We didn't know where it was. It was gone and then saw pictures of it a few kilometres up the road up the Ipswich motorway. And so, and so this water destroyed everything. Uh, after the flood, our first priority was to get our house ready and, and I didn't go back to, didn't do anything in the backyard and then after a week or two I didn't want to go out there because, you know, the lawn was so long and I knew there'd be snakes and that sort of thing and so I didn't go out there for six months, I would just organise interns to go and mow the lawn and uh, <laughs> that sort of thing and, uh, and so I never spent any time in the backyard at all. After about eight or nine months, my wife and I were on the second story and going in the back door and and as we're doing that, Trish said to me, she goes, Ben, check out the lemon tree. I turn around, and here's the lemon tree. It's doubled in size and is pumping out the biggest, fattest, juiciest lemons I've ever seen in my life. I remember thinking to myself, how did that happen? And I thought, oh, that water, that dirty, rotten, filthy stinking water which destroyed everything for that tree was fertiliser and the very thing it needed to fulfil its potential. I don't know who I'm talking to today but God wants somebody to know all the filth you've been through is nothing but fertiliser and the very thing God is going to use to prepare you to handle all the great things he has for your life. You know, a few years ago, praise God. Just over three years ago, uh, we moved down to the Gold Coast and had the opportunity to take over a, a great church called King's Church. And, um, and I remember at the time, uh, I had a few little red flags about it because uh, all the other pastors on the Gold Coast were I- incredibly happy that I was taking over the church. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it would have been a much better sign if they were all upset, but they were all so happy. And I remember thinking, what have I got myself in for? I remember telling one guy, Andy Goulet from Red Frogs, and I said to him, oh, listen, I'm going to think I'm going to go and take over Kings. And I thought he'd say to me, oh, that's fantastic. And he looked at me and goes, ooh. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And well, as soon as I got there, I found out what that meant. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they were very close to insolvency. Um, Rack with division, had a couple of lawsuits waiting on the desk when I first got there and, and that sort of thing. And uh, there was uh, two church splits on operation already happening by the time I got there and there was some public things said about me and posted about me that was not true and also not very nice. And, and so I went through that season and, you know, it lasted about 15 months, which is great. That's actually not that long. And so after about 15 months, we had peace in our church. Now, you go through something like that, it's quite tiring and can take a bit out of you and that sort of thing and so uh, but at the end of 15 months I was feeling fantastic you know I was, I was I was feeling you know I felt like okay we got peace now uh, and now it's just time for us to move forward uh, after about a few months after that I was at um had, had a, one of the local pastors actually uh, from C3 Church Rabina a guy named Don East and he made an appointment to come and see me you know I thought okay cool and came and saw me and and after we're talking for a while he said, is everything okay? I said, yeah, fine. I said, mate, should have come six months ago. Everything's good now. I said, we got peace. I'm feeling happy. It's great. 
goes, I just felt God say I've got to come and see you. And I said, well, don't worry about it, I'm good. Half an hour later, I found out that my two oldest boys were getting expelled from our school. Half an hour later. And that was something I didn't see coming. It was like a great big sucker punch that just knocked me for six. At that time, we were scheduled to go on holidays, and so we went away for three weeks. And, you know, and I remember thinking at the time, I thought, I've got nothing left. I remember I was at holidays, and I thought, I said to my wife, I said, I think I'm done. I went through all that craziness of 15 months, and then I'm tired already, and then I just get absolutely whacked like this. And I said, and it wasn't like, you know, no, I'm not going back, forget about those people. It wasn't that. It was worse than that. It was like, I feel like I've got nothing. I'm done. I'm cooked. I've only felt like that maybe twice in my entire ministry life in 20-something years. And I was like, I feel like I'm done. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I don't think I can go back. I'm not sure. I don't have any energy now. This has just really wiped me out. Uh, and it was really, really a major low point for me. We were in Melbourne at the time on holidays. And uh, worship team, you can come and... We were in Melbourne at the time, and the last Sunday before we were actually going to move back to the Gold Coast, um, we were driving around Melbourne, and, and I grew up in Melbourne, and I was showing my wife Trish different places, you know, in our family history, and, and my parents actually live, oh, sorry, my grandparents lived in a suburb just out of Melbourne, and I said, well, let's go out there and have a look where Grandma and Grandpa used to live and that sort of thing, and, and so we went out there, and, and then I remember thinking to myself, there's a significant church that is actually not far from here that I'd never seen before. And I said, well, let's try and find out where it is. So we drove around and then we found where this church was. And it was a big complex and that. And I remember looking at it thinking, oh, that's great. And, you know, all that sort of thing. And then I noticed, I looked at the time and realised that church service was about to start. And I said to her, well, why don't we go into a service? So I walked into the service. It's two days before I'm due to come back. Three weeks of holiday did not make me feel any better. I walked into the service and they did a thing called worship in the round. I copied that. So we do it at our church a couple of times now. And what we do is the worship band's in the middle on the floor in a circle and then we're all around them and that sort of thing. And it's real hipsterish. And and so we, you know, so we did that. But that's what they were doing in the service. And then they played a song, a worship song pretty well known called Raise a Hallelujah and they just started singing I know that song really well the only way I can describe it is this as soon as I started playing as soon as I started singing something came off me that heaviness that discouragement that depression it just left and I just felt the presence of God fill me up you know one touch from God can transform my life You can carry around a whole lot of stuff. And then one touch of the Spirit of God. He breathes new life back into you. And all of a sudden, that one song, I felt everything bad leave. And I just felt filled up and charged and ready to go again. At the end of the service, I went out and I looked at my wife. I said, I'm good. I said, let's go. And we've been kicking butt ever since. Church is... church has doubled, been insolvent, hadn't turned over a profit in many years, we've turned over up to now $1.1 million extra profit, God's doing great things, and it all happened 
after the point I wanted to quit. All we have to do in this is not quit. All we have to do is persist. And the process of persisting produces character, hope, positions you for the destiny that God has. And maybe you're here and you were feeling a little bit how I felt those couple of years ago. Feeling empty, finished, dry, feeling like you want to give up on something that God has for you to do. And I've learned firsthand that all you need is the presence of God to come fill you once again. So what I've asked the band to do is to play that song, raise a hallelujah. And as we do, I want you to worship. And as we do, I want you to drink. Jesus said, taste and see, oh, David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and drink. Allow me to fill. The Bible says that rivers of living water will flow up from you in a being. The Spirit of God can wash, clean, refresh, rejuvenate, strengthen you once again to do all that God has called you to do. So why don't you stand to your feet right now, lift your hands to heaven, and we're going to worship. We're going to praise Him. We're going to declare, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. I'm not waiting until it's nice. I'm not waiting until it's a blue sky day. In the middle of a storm, I'm going to sing. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Nothing's going to stop me. Amen. Let's worship Him. Thank you for listening to this podcast.